Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Josh Todd. We have just finished episode 59 on YouTube, Shane, which is incredible. Unbelievable, Josh. Episode 59. Episode 59. Unreal, um, absolutely unreal. It it don't it don't make sense, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, amazing guest. A uh, little bit of confusion on the time because Josh was uh, he was based in California. I think he was told by his team uh, at a certain time. We were told by our team everything was kind of fine. And then when it came to it, he was a little bit stuck in the mud with the family, um, trying to kind of juggle things around. Then we had a couple of technical problems, which was a shame, but we still got some incredible stories and some amazing information. Yeah, a, a truly, you know, being there, done it type front man of any rock band. Um, but he went deeper, you know? That's what I liked later on in, in the interview. Um, he went deeper, personnel and tips he's learned along the way. So, yeah, real sort of insight into how the man is still maintaining to, you know, bring out records. Yeah, exactly that. And, like, what we say during the show, there isn't a club that I've been to uh, that doesn't play a Buck Cherry record. Yeah. Um, real tip of the cap to the guys they managed to get. It's what we've talked about um that immortalizing your music is writing a song that just kind of stands time. Doesn't matter what what era it comes out in, it'll it'll always kind of be played um, and played everywhere. Like you know, and in all fairness to Buck Cherry, they got a few tracks like that, um, and 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 a few funny stories of like of, of his buddies, you know, from strip clubs and stuff like that. You know, yeah. it's brilliant. Just a really cool guy. Got to meet his dog as well, which was a double bonus. Or um, really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was brilliant, but absolutely brilliant. I, I learned stuff about him that I had no idea about tonight, which is um, it's what Crowcast is all about. You just said it there, man. Um, and so before I, I kind of lead us into the next segue, I will just say it was weird not having you uh, do a bit of a recap the other day. I did your catch <laughs> line. It didn't come across great. i got to be honest. I apologize for that. Um, but brilliant to have you back. So should we get into it? Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. Just like that. Much better that was. Saying all of that, is it time for a guest? Can't wait for this. Crow family. Please welcome the incredible frontman of Buck Cherry, Mr. Josh Todd. What's up? Yours truly. How's How it going, guys? What's up, bro? I'm good. You're gonna hear my dog barking a little bit, but he'll he'll quiet down. <laughs> that, I'm assuming that's a tiny little dog, but by the bar. Got a little puppy, and he's uh he's quite a handful, you know. But uh, I just put him in his kennel, so he's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> we do that with our bass player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just lock him away. It's a good yeah. idea. <laughs> He's got a bigger bark than that, though. So how are you, dude? How are you keeping out there in California? Yeah, I'm in California. Uh, we we um we got a new record, Hellbound, dropping June 25th, and we start uh, touring here in the states uh, first show June 1st. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Yeah, we got we got uh we got a hundred and five shows booked in the states and till the end of the year, and then hopefully we'll get your way. Yeah, 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 for sure. So wh- when did all that kind of change, Josh? Where what's what's the difference in the states at the moment? Because I think we we as a band get out in July. Fingers crossed, everything all right. We get out in July. Um, right. So have you known for a while about that, or uh, wh- when did it kind of change and everybody kind of went right? The gigs are on. Yeah, you know, like uh, the vaccine is is doing really well in the United States. So um, that kind of opened everything up and then, you know, it gets warmer so we can do outdoor shows. Um, So it makes it even even with social distancing or whatever in some states, uh, you know, we have we have shows. No. Sorry, guys. No. All right, man. Um, um, Yeah. So uh, all that being said, you know, the fact that it's going to be warm 
and uh, the vaccine has uh, really done well over here. I don't know. I think you guys are like second to us, and like you guys are having a pretty good vaccine rollout over there, right in the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah and I just wish the whole world could uh, have the same, you know, situation. You know, I just, you know, pray that, you know, places like, uh, you know, Europe, you know, uh, other parts of Europe and and India, of course, and South America, they all can get the vaccine going over there too. So, yeah, man. have you been rehearsing with the with the boys? What's that? Have you been rehearsing with the boys? Uh, yeah. Hold on. Get over here. Let me just take take him out and <laughs> put him on my lap, and he might calm down. His name's Lion. This is little Lion. Oh, oh man. Yeah, he's a he's he's a he's a cutie, but he's you know he's in that point where he's needs constant attention because he's he's just a puppy um so yeah uh where was i at yeah so the vaccine uh has been good for you know us performers as far as in the united states everybody's starting to get back to it you know i i i was seeing on instagram that some you know i follow a lot of stand-up comedians and they're all starting to book shows as well and so um you know in dallas texas they just did a a big, I don't know if you guys follow boxing, but uh, Canelo Alvarez fought and there was 17,000 people there. So, you know, and, and I, I was looking in the audience and there didn't seem like to be a lot of people with masks on, you know, so I don't know what's going on there, but um, yeah. So, you know, we've done a handful of shows this year. We did some shows in Florida and uh, another show in South Dakota and, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So uh, we got a great new record, and uh, we're all vaccinated and ready to go. Oh, so you yeah, guys man. actually played some shows already, have you? Um, with, yes. with an audience. Oh, man, that's amazing, bro. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's, oh. it's crazy. It, it's crazy. Feel? Yeah, how did that feel, that first one back? Because uh, we, we can't wait for that. We can't wait for that, that energy, like, you know? Yeah, we did like 10 shows even in 2020, you know, so we did, we did play. Um, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was like, uh, getting back on a bike, you know, we, we just, uh, we've done so many shows that, um, you know, we're always grateful, you know, we're, we're always grateful, uh, to be doing this, you know, for a living, we know how fortunate we are. And so I don't think we ever were ungrateful, but like being on stage again was like, yeah, this is this is why we sacrifice, you know, um, yeah. this is where it's at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Josh, is there any sort of pre gig sort of routines that you do about as, as a vocalist or anything you do like it before every show, or is it just literally pick up that microphone and rock the fuck out? No, 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 no. There's a lot that I do, especially, you know, I just turned 50. So, um, you actually have to work harder the older you get on your voice, you know, especially singing Buck Cherry. You know, it's, uh, it's very, um, vocally demanding, uh, you know, um, and my range has like really grown over the years, which is great, but you know, it's like, um, right now I'm doing this thing where I'm doing like a light warm up, like 15 minutes of scales. Then I'm waiting like 30 minutes. Then I do 40 minutes of scales. Then I sing. And it seems to be a lot better for me. And I only kind of stumbled into that on, you know, accident at home where I, I had to, you know, I was doing, uh, more vocal scales than I had to. And then I started singing and I was like, Oh, this is good. So, um, you know, I mean, you constantly, constantly are searching for ways to make your life, uh, easier on stage, you know, um, as a, as a singer, you know, because, uh, especially with this stuff, you know, when you write songs in your twenties and you've got, you know, all this piss and vinegar and these pipes that are like bulletproof. And then you, you have to sing those same songs, you know, 18 years later, it's, it's, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta dig deep. You have to do different things to, uh, get to the same level, you know? And for me, it's like not singing less, it's singing more. You know, I, I literally do a headline Buck Sherry set every other day since I've been home in quarantine. So for a year and a half, wow. I've been doing a, I've been doing a headline Buck Cherry set every other day, or at least singing, uh, an hour and a half a day on a microphone 
um, here in this room. There's my little rig right there. And, um, uh, you know, sometimes if I'm just getting, uh, you know, tired of singing about cherry songs, I'll, I have this app called, um, what is it? It's like some kind of karaoke app, right? I, I don't know what it is, but Smule, I think that's the name oh, of yeah, it. Yeah. But anyways, I'll just like, I'll just be like, you know what? I just want to sing like Beatles and Stevie Wonder and, you know, stuff like that. And I'll just choose songs and, uh, and I'll just uh, play songs from that, you know, and, and sing and rehearse that way. One, one second. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely an insight, isn't it, man? That's brilliant. That is like... It's Andy now as well, especially with home studios and stuff. Do you know what I mean? That's the that's yeah. the it, like how to keep yourself. Really active. sorry, guys. That's I cool. thought this was going to be at two ten, and I had everybody watching the dog for me. And then my manager calls and he's like, "Hey, you're you ready for your phoner in ten minutes?" And I go, "I thought it was two ten. And he said, "No, it's now." And I'm like, "Ah!" Oh. So I have the dog, and my kids are going to be back from school, and they're going to get the dog, but. uh so I really apologize. I had worked this out, so this wasn't going to be a problem. That's all right, bro. What, what is the time out there at the moment? It's one ten in the afternoon. Ah, man. Yeah. Because that's, that's what we were talking afterwards. Me and Shane were trying to work the time out where you were. Because um, obviously, like, the Eurek and our management and stuff have hooked it up, so we didn't really know what the time was, like, you know? So uh, right. when, you, when you said 2.10, yeah, we were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because we were like fucking. Yeah, that's yeah. what I. Because I confirmed it with you guys, and you guys are like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm certain it was two ten, but I got on just to see if maybe you guys were here, and you wound up being on. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here I'm we gonna go. deal with this dog. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Hey, but listen, let's talk about this new album, dude. Because we've we've been lucky enough to to listen to it. What a fucking banger, bro! Oh. It's amazing. Yes. It's a. Uh, it's such a great album. I really appreciate that. Hold on, guys. You're just going to have to deal with them barking because I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah, you know, uh, one second. I'm just going to put him in another room. No worries, dude. Those damn dogs. <laughs> a gorgeous dog as well. Oh, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah he, you know what? He's, he's a real... He's such a lover too, you know, he just wants to chill most of the time, except right now, you know, um, of course. <laughs> but literally, uh, yes. from the word go about, I mean, 54321, what a brilliant yeah. song to start the record. And it's just all chaos from then on, like, it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, you know, my favorite part of that song is the bridge, you know. Um, I think, you know, there's so much tension going on. Like, like we were done with it, recording this record in October of 2020. So we've been, we've been sitting on it for a long time and we wrote all these songs last year and, uh, five, four, three, two, one was part of, you know, Stevie and I wrote 22 songs of demos before we, we took one week after all that. And then we went, we flew to Nashville and we did, um, we wrote six songs in five days with Marty Fredrickson. And all six of those songs made the record, but we had 22 songs up to that point, and um, five, four, three, two, one was one of them. And um, I just remember there was, you know, and you know, I don't know what it was like in in the United Kingdom, but like in in the United States, it was just the tension with COVID and the election and racism and the rioting. It was crazy. You could cut the air with a knife. It was uh, no fun. You know, and in order not to, well, I mean, we could feel the negative energy, but we don't want to get involved in that. Like to focus on this record was the best thing for us. But five, four, three, two, one was definitely kind of uh, uh, the outcome of some of that tension for sure. It's absolutely killer. It's a great, what a great opening track for a new album. Thank man. you. Yeah, Thanks. incredible. But I, I got to say as well, dude, like the, the way piano, you play piano, right? Is that you playing I play piano? piano? I play piano enough to write, and then uh, Stevie plays a little piano oh, as well. And um, I had wrote, I had, I had written the verse, chorus, just uh, the melody. You know, I yeah. I wrote it all, and then I came into Stevie. And then sometimes songs happen like that, like Rain on the uh, Conflict, Josh on the Conflict record was like that too. I just did the whole thing a cappella, came in and said, Stevie, this is how I want it to go, and then he. 
he just know we just are so good with our songwriting language that he just i kind of paint the picture verbally what yeah. i want and then i leave then i leave and i come back and he's hit it out of the park you know and that was definitely what was going on it's like he and i were both going through a lot i was going through a lot in my personal life he was going through a lot in his personal life his father had passed away and and um it was like the perfect it was a perfect time to write a slow song you know so i came in and i sang the song to him and i was like you know i'd really like a piano a song with piano on the record you know it would really be great and he's like i i know what i want to do i know what i want to do and i go great do it and then he's like i want to make it our saint jude and i was like let's do it you know and i came back and he just like he put like a bridge and like this outro bit and he's like it's gonna it's gonna start here and it's gonna end in this like epic saga and i was like this is amazing and then i felt like all this pressure after that like i gotta i gotta hit this out of the park now because he's given me this composition yeah. that is uh you know above and beyond what i started with you know so um uh just a really great song i'm glad you guys like it and it's so amazing live we've done it like a handful of times now and it's incredible what it brings to the set uh, yeah, it's, got, it's got like a real movie soundtrack um and i can hear it at festivals as well like you know i don't know if you've played any with it with it so far no we, we haven't that, yeah, that would be it's got that Amazing. festival vibe to it, like, do you know what I mean? I think when everybody kind of gets the hot Absolutely. And, and, and the, the top line of it, like, you know, I can, that was the first thing I thought. I mean, I played it twice on the head, like, you know, I was like, oh, wow, I can, I can definitely hear this in a festival, like, you know, where it just grips you, even if you don't know the band or if you're, you're unfamiliar with the band, you're walking past and you can kind of become part of that cult or that, that moment. Um, it's a really powerful song, bro. Really, really wicked, like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't wait till we can have some really big production on the song. And um, and thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. We did that song a handful of times, like I said, and already people had learned the lyrics and come to another show and were singing the song. And I'm like, this isn't even out. This is crazy. You know, I mean, and that is that's what's so nuts about you know, where we're at, you know, now and, and nowadays the technology is crazy. Yeah, man. And if for me, like as a vocalist, I, I listen to you and obviously you've got the pack, the back cherry sort of the LA punk angst on stage and you're giving it some, the energy's always up here, but man, can you fucking sing too, bro? You know, that vulnerableness through the vocal, you know, even like back in the days, like, so, you know, songs like Sorry and stuff, your vocal on those verses are fucking incredible. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, Thank you, man. Congratulations on the new on the new album, bro. I mean, I bet you can't wait to play the UK. You, yeah, the fans love you in the UK. We we love going to the UK. Yeah, we're we're really looking forward to that. You know, of course. You know that that's like we actually like going out overseas. You know, more than states because you know we we know what we're going to get here as far as the audience. You know, when you go when you go that far from home, it's like and people. Uh, you know, are welcoming you and, and singing your songs. And the thing I love about the UK is they get way more into just singles, you know, I mean, in the States, it's really single orientated, you know, but in, in the UK, they always request really, um, you know, crazy like record songs that we never really play live, you know? So, I mean, that, that's a lot of fun too. Do you have any, um, sort of special memories, any venues in particular from the UK that you, uh, any stories? Oh my God. Um, venues. I can't like rip venues off, but I mean, so many, so many times in London, you know, um, I think we did, uh, last time we played like a big show in London was with steel Panther. You know, that was right. a lot of fun. We played with, uh, the most memorable was kiss of course on our first record. Um, we had never, we never played over there. And the first time we play there is opening up for Kiss, you know. So it was uh, pretty incredible for these young guys from, you know, California to be all that way, and and to to we still get we still get fans from those shows, from those Kiss shows, that come come to Buckcherry shows to this day when we're over there. And that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, man. There's not there's not a club in the UK like Ronnie was saying at the start of the show, and uh, there's a there's a great little club in Bridgend where we're from. Um, you walk in there, dude. Buck Cherry songs, fucking hell. They, they they love Buck Cherry. You walk in, it's crazy, bitch. It's it's fucking honestly, dude. All the time, dude. All, All the, the time. time, like literally. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it is. It's really cool. I mean, for any musician, any band, that's what you want to hear. You want to hear a track constantly played. But I was saying it before you came on, man. There's, like, in my lifetime, there's not a club I've walked into that hasn't played a track from you guys, which is, that's a real credit to your work. Like, you know, that's 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 exactly, yeah. that's what you want, like, you know, so. That is what we want. That's what we work hard for, and that's what we dreamed about, you know, and, <clears throat> and uh and we're super grateful. We know, we know how hard it is to get a hit, you know, like that's, that's one thing I always wonder about, like when bands don't want to play their hits or they don't want to talk about their hits. It's like, that's what gave you, that's the only reason why some people are talking to you. You know what I mean? They're like, and I don't know for me, like getting a hit is so hard to do. Like you should just be like super pumped. I like, I'm always very happy to play crazy bitch live uh, it's so much fun you know because it it came from nothing you know we built that from nothing you know so like to see it come full circle and become what it's become is like i always really enjoy it you know i, I was going to ask you dude like did you know after you you know i recorded the song did you know it was going to be as fucking massive as it was no no, it was just kind of an afterthought. We just thought it would be like a good, like core Buck Cherry audience crowd tune because of the lyrical content. It would never get on radio. We didn't think anything of it, you know? And in fact, it sat around for a long time before it got on a record, you know? So um, I'm glad I stuck to my guns because there was a big producer who I will uh, just not say the name who listened to that song as a demo way before it was on a record. And said, it's a good song, but you're going to have to change the lyrics. It'll never get on the radio. And I was like, what? I'm, that, that's, that's, the, that's the only part of the song. That's why the song is fun. You know, yeah. like I'm not changing the lyrics. And so almost never went back to it because of that, you know. Um, and then, you know, it just, and, and we weren't going to be putting it out as a single when we had released 15. We were going with next to you as a single. And then. At that point in time, uh, MySpace was still going on. You know, MySpace. Yeah. Remember MySpace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had had like, like I don't know, like a million listens, right, or something. We had it up on there, and we all like were, you know, of course it got everybody's attention. Holy shit! Look what look what crazy bitch is doing. And then radio DJs in in the states were were editing it and putting up clean versions of it on the radio. And we're like, fuck next to you. We got to jump on this. This is going, you know? Wow. And then it just became, then it just became like this phenomenon, you know? Well, yeah. just on Spotify alone, I think it's up to like 79 million streams. Just that song. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just don't get it. I don't understand it, but I'm, I'm super grateful, but it's just, it's got legs. Like you wouldn't believe it's crazy. Yeah, and especially, like, if you look at the eras and stuff like that, because I remember when it blew up, um, and then, you know, you've got the whole pop punk scene happening, you've got, you know what I mean? So there's all of that vibe. But even today, there's still, the youngsters are still picking up on that track, which is, it's incredible, because I've been at a club, and obviously, you know, we're, 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 older now um and i'm seeing the youngsters coming through yeah the the, the political older um right but we're seeing the new the new era of of youngsters new skate kids coming through new new rockers who, who listen to like machine gun uh, gun kelly etc um and they're still asking for crazy bitch you know what i mean which is that's fucking awesome that's that's like wow and i've been in europe i was saying to shane in clubs in europe and you just hear it everywhere, so that's that's always like wow. That's 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 what you want from any band, like you know. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's on ju jukeboxes here, and I can't tell you how many times just out of the blue, one of my friends will just be like, "Dude, I'm at the strip club. Listen, <laughs> you know." <laughs> If I had a dollar every time somebody did that to me, you know, yeah. I'd have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but back to Hellbound, dude. I mean, obviously, brand new record. 
Honestly, bud, it's black cherry through and through. Amazing. It's what you do fucking best. But is there any differences? Like, you know, what's this, like your ninth studio album? Is that right? Yep, nine. Any any differences in this? Was it easy? Was it fucking hard to sort of pick and choose what songs? What was the process like? I mean, yeah, it's, you know, build, it's it's like building a house every time you make a record. And there's, there's always challenges along the way, you know, but... um if you're passionate about what you do, it becomes just a labor of love, you know, and, uh, that's definitely what it was. And, you know, I've known Stevie since I was 19 and we were, we're just good friends outside of being musicians in a band together, you know? So, um, you know, uh, and we, and we fight like brothers sometimes, you know, so, uh, uh, but he understands, you know, he offsets me really well. So, um, writing this record together was so much fun. And, you know, we definitely had our challenges. Like I said, you know, uh, like you always come up, you know, sometimes songs, uh, write themselves really easy. And then sometimes they're, um, you know, hard to get over the finish line. And there's parts of them that you really love, but it's just not coming together and you got to work harder on them, you know? And, um, that's why you write a whole lot more than just 10 songs, you know, for a 10 song record, because, you know, there's a lot that are just not up to speed with uh, the the stuff that the cream that rises to the top. You know. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a favorite song on the album yet? Definitely, Hellbound is my favorite song. Um, I just that the vocal that you hear on that on that song is one the one I just ripped out as, when we were demoing the songs when we were writing with Marty and I used the same mic on the demos that I used on the rest of the record. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I remember coming back. I remember coming back uh, to to do the record, and I had already sang Hellbound, and I'm like, Marty, this vocal is so good. I don't think I can sing it any better. You know, like. And he goes, No, we're not recutting it. It's so good. And I'm like, Great. And so we didn't do that song. And there was like, so yeah, when I came in to record for the record, I'd already had like uh, six songs pretty much done vocally. So. I literally took about uh, nine days and finished the rest of the songs and touch-ups and harmonies and doubles, and I left. Wow. Quick as that. I, fuck, I do love that, because that's happened to me a couple of times where we've gone in to write an album, and the vocal that goes down is, is the one I did in my home studio, because you just captured something in that moment, didn't it, you know? Yeah, sometimes you're just you know, you're just in the zone and it's yeah. just in a, sitting, sitting in a good place in your voice and, and it just sounds good with a mic you're using or whatever, you, you never know, whatever it's going to be. But like, I always gauge like who's listened to the song in our camp, you know, when they're having a feeling with the song, I don't want to lose that because if they're having it, then every person on the walk in the street is going to have it if they like, you know, rock music and, and then, you know, why fuck with it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, going to get yeah, a bit geeky yeah. now because I'm being a singer. But do you tend to use a um, one sort of microphone or do you kind of use, try a few before you pick one? You know, I don't know a lot about, I, I just use an SM58 uh, Shure microphone on stage live because yeah. it's bull, it's bulletproof and I'm pretty uh, reckless sometimes, you know, so it's a good microphone for me, but you got to eat it. You can't like ever, you can't even get off it a little bit or you'll lose you know, the, yeah. your voice. Um, so that's what I use live. But as far as like studio, I can't remember what Marty used. You'll have to ask Marty. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that the model number of what it is, but he likes using it. He, he uses all his vocalists use it. So it must be something great that he can, you know, manipulate with the EQ and everything. And, you know, I don't know, but I love the vocal sound. Yeah, me I too. love, you know, one thing about this record is, uh, you know, Marty and I were really clear. I go, I really want to be comfortable singing this stuff. I don't want to be like pushing it at the top of my range in sections. And then, uh, you know, because everybody tunes your voice a little bit, you're, there's tuning involved and, and on every record. And that's like, I don't want to just, you know, get close to it. And then you guys tune it after the fact, I want to just be in my comfort zone. So we really, focused on that and we changed keys of songs like gun for instance was in a higher key on the demo and um 
I came in there and I was like, I, it's not comfortable for me. Like I like if I had to sing this song from beginning to end every night, I, I'd just be exhausted. You know, it's like I can sing a section that high, but I don't want to sing the, the whole song throttling like that, you know? So yeah. we, we pitched it down, uh, I think a whole step or a half step. And, and then I sang it and it was like, Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And it's, it's now it's comfortable and I can perform while I'm singing it and it feels great. And so, so we kind of went through every song like that and made sure that it was in my wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. I think what I, what I picked up from the record is like, it's still got that rock and roll. Um, like, like Shane said, it's got a punk rock vibe to it, but there was like, there was moments of like ACDC and stuff for me. Like it was, um, I know that's a weird thing to sling at you, but it just had that that kind of vibe, like you know what I mean. The especially like Power Rage, that fucking record, you, you know, that's one of my favorite records. But it just had moments there with the guitars. I don't know if you were all aware of that, or it was part of the kind of um, yeah, you know, let's get that vibe going. But it's still got that that buck cherry essence to it. But then it's got tip offs to other stuff, which I'm like, oh, that's incredible, like you know, but still in your own vibe, like you know, in your own pocket. Of course, man. We're huge ACDC fans. So that's like, that's like a, you know, I actually said when we were hellbound was like one of the last songs we wrote and I, I was in there, we were recording, we did wasting no more time and no more lies. And I came in and I'm like, I need, where's my fucking ACDC track. And they didn't have it. And I, I came, I came in, I came in again and they had another like Tom Petty ish sounding song. And I'm like, we got enough fucking slow to mid tempo songs. Where's my ACDC? Easy song. Love her. Yeah. I love that. Ah, frozen. Yeah. Sorry. Can it's you right. see me now? Yeah. 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 Then that's when they came up uh, with the music for Hellbound. And I remember I had that music and I started thinking about the song. What do I want this song to be about? You know? And Marty had this throwaway uh, thing. He's like, you should just fucking name it like Hellbound or something. And I'm like, hellbound i'm like at first i was like that's so fucking lame and then i left and i'm like <laughs> hellbound hellbound i love hellbound you know and so i just had that title working title in my head and then i started thinking about okay when did it shift when did i sell my soul to rock and roll and i went back to the first show i did house party in orange county california uh 15 years old right Um, first song, first song, rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. That's the first song I sang live. And I go back to that moment and it was like, the place was packed, right? Everybody was fucking shit faced. And we come on, we, we, we set up in a living room of a house and, uh, it was nuts. It was nuts. Right. It was like animal house in there when, once we started. (laughs) And, and, uh, after that, I was like, you know, I got such a dopamine hit from that show. I was like, that's it. I'm never looking back. This is it. And and that's what the song Hellbound is about. That's amazing. amazing that's bro. amazing. So at 15, that's your first show. But did you when did you know you could um you wanted to be on stage? And when did you know you wanted to fucking be the front man? And when when you had a voice? I didn't, you know. Um I always had a knack for writing. I, I could right. I did a lot of creative writing, I wrote poetry, yeah. I did all kinds of writing. Yeah, And then I, I was really into surfing at that time. I wanted to be a professional surfer. So I was surfing all the time. And I started surfing with this guy who was a drummer and he went to my school and I, I, I went to different schools cause I got in a lot of trouble, but I finally wound up at this one school for like three years of my high school. And I met this kid named Chris and he was a drummer and there was only one band in the whole school. And he's like, Hey man, we need a, we need a, a singer. Why don't you come down and just jam out with us? And I was like, okay. And I don't know why he, I don't know why he asked me. I don't know if I was, if I sang a little bit, I was, I was a music fanatic. I had a crazy, uh, you know, library of music, a lot of vinyl, you know, and I was just like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. And so they, they had been setting up in this garage of this, of the, the other guitar players house and, um, I just remember my grand, my grandfather was in town and I said, grandpa, I need, I need a microphone. Will you buy me a microphone? And I'll, you know, and he goes, yeah, I'll buy you a microphone. So we went to this place called the Federated Group and bought a microphone and I didn't, 
I didn't know anything about, like, I didn't have a PA or anything. So I went in there and I stuck it in the guitar amp. Right. And so my voice is all distorted. It had distortion on it. And I was like, let's go. And we, we started, they started jamming some like cover song. I don't know what it was. And I sang. And then for some reason I was like, not interested in other people's music. I just said, let's write a song right now. And they're like, okay, I go. And I just started conducting the rehearsal. I was just like, do you have any guitar riffs? And, and to the, you know, this one guy, Tim, he was a guitar player and he goes, yeah. And he ripped out a guitar riff and I listened to it and I got down on the ground and I wrote this song, you know, I just put pen to paper and I, I wrote out these melodies and, and words really quick. And, um, I remember the first song, it was bandana Rosanna or Rosanna bandana. This, <laughs> it was like, it, it, it sounded kind of like, uh, kind of like a whole lot of Rosie. Right. right so, yeah. So, and then we just ripped it out. Right. And I was just like, that's it. That this is my calling. And I didn't have a voice. So I was just screaming. I didn't know what to do, you know? So that's when I got hooked and I'm like, I just started trying to um, develop my voice after that. Cause the writing thing came writing words and melodies came easy for me. It was, it was developing my voice and you know what I mean? And yeah. I just was not classically trained at all. You know, I mean, I, I tried to go to a vocal coach at that time and they wanted me to learn like, uh, every breath you take, you know, uh, and I wish I would have, but I was like, I didn't want to learn that. I came back and I go, I want to sing like this. And I gave them the back in black record <laughs> and they female and she was like, we don't be here. And I go, okay. And that was it. I didn't go back. The dogs in the back, this started at one. So, you know, I had to, um, <laughs> so anyways, so there's my, my wife going to save the day, you know, um, that's all right. I mean, I thought it was at two ten, and it was like one ten. you know? All right. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's how it all started. Um, yeah, that's what you- that is. Because, I mean, back then, there wouldn't have been anybody that fucking teaches you to sing that way. But now there is, you know what I mean? There's, there's vocal coaches that can make you sort of scream doing that so you don't burn out your throat and stuff. But back then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't have vocal training all the way up till after the first record. And I came back from that first tour, and I was just spent, you know. I just – I was losing my voice a lot on that tour. Um, that was before in-ear monitors, so – my, my ears are just getting cooked by drum cymbals. And I just didn't know anything of, of what I was doing. I had bad technique and, and everything. And that's when I started uh, really working with co- uh, coaches. And now I've been really a student of the voice. Like I am on it for years now. And if you listen to the Buck Cherry records through the years, I've really grown uh, as far as vocals and with my range and everything. But um, yeah, it was, I was definitely, when I listened to that first record, I'm like, God, I'm just, I can just hear, um, like there's this, there's this thing that I know that people like about that first record, you know, that it's kind of reckless and, and, but when I hear it, I'm like, you know, I just seem, I just hear all the bad habits, you know, that I had to break, you know, and, um, that, that's the bad thing. Well, that's one of the reasons why I was asking about the vocal mic, because on the, on the new record, dude, your voice is as good as ever been it's amazing thanks i appreciate that yeah i I sang all those vocals at like uh like 12 like noon every day i'd get in there and sing for two and a half hours and i just sang every every day till the till it was done what's the longest sort of stretch of shows you've done on a tour Uh, like vocally like have we ever broken down? Oh, oh, um, I mean, we did like five in a row when I was real young, you know. Yeah. Um, I just did a four in a row this year. So it goes to show you like, you know, how much I've been working and at it, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, now I, I don't like to do more than three in a row. But, yeah. you know, if, if it's a situation where uh, it makes sense, you know, I'll do a four in a row. Yeah, I fucking struggle more than fucking four. Fuck. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot because you know you can sing four in a row at home when there's nobody in front of you, but like when you yeah. put people in front of you, it adds this adrenaline and this yeah. thing where you're like, 
you know, you're pushing a little harder, you're doing things that you don't normally do. And then sometimes, you know, you just, you get tired. I find it really difficult to like take 10% off. I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of like, fuck, I'm leaving it all on stage, but sometimes that fucks up for the next show. You know what I mean? I've got to kind of learn that. Take it back a little. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot that goes, I don't know what you do vocally, but I can tell you like part of my whole thing is I don't, I don't, uh, drink any carbonated drinks. I only drink lukewarm water. Um, I don't eat after the show, you know? So like I literally almost uh, do like a, a fast every day because I'll eat dinner and then I won't sing the show for two hours after that. And then I do the show. Then it takes me a couple hours to wind down and then I go to bed. And so all that time, no food until the morning, you know, because I just, I just noticed that, you know, if I eat too close to bedtime, I get acid reflux. And in the morning it's, it's just, my voice is like really husky, you know, and it takes me a while for it to thin out. And so I just don't do any of that stuff anymore. When I was young, I could do that all the time, but not now. Fuck, that's a good tip. I think I'm going to try that. Yeah, it's a try it. Tip. It's, it's, it's really hard because, like, you know, we got to the stage where uh, we were supporting. So you always, when you're supporting bands, you were you were able to go out for food afterwards or grab a bite if you were on tour um, before the headline band came on. And then we got the stage where we were headlining in the UK. Um, and then by the time you finished, you're like, wicked, right, what's open? And the only places that are open are fucking bad places, like, you know, so yeah. Yeah. bad food and, yeah, yeah. so we were trying to get in a better routine for that. And um, I think when we finally get back out now, we're all a little bit more wise to, to like you said, Josh, to eat at the right times and kind of space it out and do things. Um, well, it gives you longevity, doesn't it? Like you said, it gives a better performance, longevity. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah. First of all, like eating before you go to bed is a terrible habit to get into just on a health tip. So aside from being a singer, you know, it's just not good. And, and yeah, my band does that all the time. They eat late night and then they go to bed like, you know, an hour later or two hours later. And it's like, you know, I have, if you just, just try it for a month and see how good you feel, you know, because it changes, it's good for your digestive system, your health, everything, you know, um, I also don't drink any, any water on stage. Nothing. I drink wow. nothing. Once I, once I warm up, uh, I'm warm. I don't want to put anything on my voice. Like it's, it's really bad. What, what singers, a lot of singers, uh, problem they do is they, they drink like cold beers or cold water on stage. It's like the worst thing you can do. It's the equivalent of like getting your muscles really warm when you're working out and then just like drenching yourself with like a, some cold ass water all over your body and then going back to working out and you'll be, you'll know that you're super tight. It, it'll, it'll, you're not flexible and, and it'll almost, you could hurt yourself, you know, and that's the same thing with vocal folds. You know, once you kind of stretch them out with the, uh, with the vocal scales, you know, I'm good. I'm lubricated. I've already hydrated before that. So I'm ready. And so I'm warm. I don't need to. And I started watching like Bruce Springsteen and, I watched these old clips of like Steve Perry. He's, he was such an amazing vocalist, you know, and his technique was incredible. And then I'm watching him. I'm like, that motherfucker does not drink anything. I, I haven't seen him take a sip of anything. And I used to have this bad habit. I always take a sip in between songs. You know, it was this nervous habit. And when I stopped doing that, my, my voice didn't, I, I would always get tight for that first, that first verse chorus of the next song after I drink some water and I couldn't understand it. And, uh, and so when I stopped doing that, I was just loose the whole show. It takes a second to get used to because when you, when you're in front of an audience, you may get like cotton mouth or you may get, you may like yeah. want to, you, you, you kind of want to drink water. But like, if you start training yourself to like wean yourself off of that, you'll see like really good. Um, you'll, you'll see, um, a difference for sure. You know? Fuck, wow. I'm loving this. This is brilliant. Yeah, dude. man. That's brilliant. And then what do you do? Rehydrate yourself as soon as the show finishes? Just no food? Show's over. The only thing I do is drink water. I, I meditate. Yeah. I meditate for like uh, 25 minutes, and then I'll just chill out and watch, you know, some shows or whatever and, and wind down and go to bed. Yeah, which brings your adrenaline down nicely then and, and balance you. Yes, sir. Together. The med meditation, uh, you know, mm. like I started meditating. Me and Stevie did about four years ago, and 
I can't live without it now. And it's a guided meditation. It's 25 minutes, but man, it just totally, it's, it's Zen mode and you get, you get a lot of oxygen to your body and, and, um, and it chills you out, you know, it's great for sleeping too. So is that like an app or is that like music? What what's going on there? What are you meditating to? Yeah, I, I, I study this guy, uh, Joe Dispenza. His name's Dr. Joe Dispenza. You can look him up. He's written a lot of books. Um, and this guy uh, basically healed his, I, without getting into the whole thing, he healed his body through meditation. He, he had a spinal injury from a bicycle accident, right? And he was in traction in the hospital. And the doctors came in and said, hey, we can st- stick this metal rod up your spine and you'll have like limited mobility, but you won't be a paraplegic and you'll be able to walk out of here, but you'll have limited mobility for the rest of your life because he shattered his spine. And he's like, and at that point he had, he had just started getting into meditation. Right. And he had read all these stories about people who have healed their physical body through meditation, through your mind. So he's like, he waited on, he thought about it for a couple of days and, and he's in traction, right? He can't move anyways. And he's like, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, he goes, and the doctor said, if you try to do this, you know, the chances of you walking out of here and your spine, not being able to handle the pressure of your body and you'll be a paraplegic. I just want to let you know that, that that is definitely something that can happen if you go that route. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm okay. So he meditated for three hours a day, building back his spine piece by piece in his mind, right? Every day, three hours a day, building back his spine, building back his spine. And he's in traction, right? Six months, he walked out of there and he's been fine. And since then he did He dedicates his life to meditate. Wow. Wow. He, he, he practices all the world. Anyways, he wrote all these books, and one of them is called uh, "You Are the Placebo," right? And you got to read this book. It's it's uh, he wrote the book, but it's all these other accounts of people that have healed their physical selves with meditation. They have shrunk tumors. They have done all kinds of stuff with their mind. And I'm sure you guys have heard of like the placebo trials. Well, they'll put a group of people in a room, and they'll give. They'll say they're giving them all the same thing and they'll give some of them just like a sugar pill that does nothing. But because they think that it's healing them, they're being healed. So it's, it's basically along those lines. But anyways, the answer to your question, if you search him up, Joe Dispenza, he's got an app and it's like eight bucks, right? But it has two meditations on it and they're guided. So you just put your earbuds in, close your eyes and it's 25 minutes in the morning and 25 minutes at night. And you know, it takes you a while to get used to it and to find that sweet spot, you know, to where you can just clear your head and have no thoughts. You know, that's what part of it is. And, um, but if you start practicing it, you'll never go back. Like that's, that's the way it is for me and everybody that I've turned, turned people onto it, but you've got to give it some time, you know, just like anything. Wow. Wow, Fucking hell. this is a real insight. Josh Todd is like teaching you <laughs> mentally, physically better human fucking being. Fuck. <laughs> well, wow. you know, I just want to feel good because I, yeah. you know, I don't use drugs or alcohol for 26 years. So, like, I have to search to feel good. You know. Do you think that's probably the reason why you know you you've kind of done that extreme side of it, and now you've found a new way? I guess. Um. Absolutely. You know, I'm a, I'm an, I'm an addict. Like I, if I don't watch it, I, I, I can really easily be a workaholic. You know, I have, I have, uh, overdone everything you can do legally, sugar, caffeine, sex. It's like, so, uh, you know, I gotta keep working on my spiritual, uh, regimen for sure. Yeah. That makes sense. It's fucking yeah, yeah. brilliant. It is. Wow. I'm, I'm literally, as soon as we get off tonight, I'm fucking doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting that yeah. book. I'm getting the fucking app. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think once you guys, once you make it a part of your routine, you know, like that's what I do. And that's what Stevie does. You know, it's like, so it's like your toolbox that nobody yeah. knows. And like, anytime you get like somebody pisses you off, you're going through something, you just go, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm goodbye. And you turn off, you know, you, what I do is I just put my phone on vibrate and then I, cause it, you know, I got to have it going on my phone and I'm out. That's it. I put my noise canceling, you know, AirPods in and, and 
I'm in the zone, right? He calls it the blackness, right? And um, so I'll do it. I, I've done these experiments where I'll be on a plane taxiing yeah. out, right? And yeah. I start meditating, like when I sit down on the plane and everybody's in my row. And so every, you know, I know nobody's going to come out and I start meditating, right? And so by the time we're taking off, I'm in like half of my meditation. I'm, I'm 15 minutes in, right? And the calmness, I have no, my, I can feel my heartbeat and it's, and it's just normal, right? Whereas when I'm not, I can feel, you know, I'm getting my heartbeats, uh, you know, rising, not because I'm scared, just because I know I'm taking off, I'm going to be going in the air. And I don't know how, if there's going to be a lot of turbulence or what's going to happen. It's like that uncertainty, just that little, you know, your heart starts beating a little bit more. And, but like with, with the meditation, just Zen, nothing. You know, it's so bizarre. Wow. wow. I love that as well, Shane, the blackness. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, love that. I love that term, the blackness. Yeah. It, it's, it's all about like becoming nothing. Yeah. The first half of the med- meditation is becoming nothing, right? So like I, I'm becoming pure energy. I am not Josh Todd. I'm nothing. I'm nobody, right? So you're becoming just pure energy, which is – which is what it's all about really. And then, and then you just start adding in only the things that you want. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of complicated, but it's not, you know, once you start finding that sweet spot, it's really, really amazing. Fuck man. You seem like in a really great place. Do you know what I mean? You got your shit together. You know, what works for you. You're fucking, you got a killer. Record. Uh, I'm only, I'm only in a great place one day at a time when I use the tools and and do things for sure, but but um, the best place I've been in a long time for sure. Sorry, bud, you just broke up. Then could you say that again? Yeah, um, I'm human. When I'm when I'm working all when I'm utilizing all my tools, I'm in a really great place one day at a time. But you know, uh, I fall off like everybody. I'm human, and uh, you know, I, I I do some things kicking and screaming sometimes. Mm, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Incredible, bud. Fuck, I could talk to you for hours, Josh. I know, uh, man. Oh, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. I mean, it's incredible to be talking with you, but this album, dude, congratulations. The new Buck Cherry album, Hellbound, is out Hellbound. June 25th. You can pre-order now at uric.com forward slash Buck Cherry. Look at those colors. It's fucking epic. <laughs> and the vinyl sounds really good. I've heard it. It's really good. Oh, you can't beat vinyl anyway, can you? It's... Um... It's it's just sexy, man. Fucking, I I went back to vinyl. I kind of converted and went to the digital age, and then um, the wife bought me a, a lovely vinyl player, and it's just nice to nice. Yeah, man, it's just nice to get off your ass and turn a turn a record over. And then I tell you what, you find yourself doing is the old school you is like picking up the the vinyl and sitting there and looking at the back of it, and you're like, ah, oh, man, I fucking missed this, like you know. Yeah, reading the lyrics and yeah. You know. Yeah, that's what I loved about records, reading the lyrics. I'd sit down and read the lyrics from first song to the end, you know, and and just take a journey. Yeah, man. Well, brother, thank you for joining us and on your fucking journey. It's fucking that was a brilliant, brilliant chat, bud. Thank you so much. We will hopefully see you at a show soon, brother. Doing what you thank do. Thank you, better. man. Thanks for all the love, and uh, I hope we see you sooner than later for sure. And you be safe over there. Definitely, and you as well, man. See you soon. Take care. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!